we continue. <clears throat> Let me try again. We see it's a singing. It's just on my vocal cord. Did you hear that? We continue. <clears throat> we continue our fully alive series, um, a series where we um, are hearing from people in our community, where we're hearing testimonies of what God has done in our lives. I love how Mike, a couple weeks ago, one of the things that he said was, um, we should all really have a testimony, not just of when we came to faith, not necessarily burning bush moments, but if we are walking with God, we have got those moments and stories to share of what God is doing in our lives. Amen? Sort of, kind of, maybe. At that moment of like, mm, we should, yeah. But. And the, one of the other things that Mike said, and I loved it, was um, he's, a, he's a person who loves a good debate, as do I. And, and part of what we do is when, when we have friends that don't know Jesus, is we're gonna, I'm happy to entertain that debate and, and speak to people about why Jesus is real. But oftentimes, as he said, there's a lot of arguments back and forth, and people can stand on their, on their reasoned arguments, on their scientific arguments, on whatever it may be. But what they cannot ever dispute is our experience. What they cannot ever dispute is what God has done in our lives, what God has done in your life. Nobody can ever tell you that wasn't God. Because you know. Correct? Yes. And I loved how Mike reminded us of that fact. We're going to listen now to, to Emma's testimony. And she met with me earlier in the week. And I think as, as, as everybody uh, who's kind of shared the testimony... A bit of apprehension of, oh, do I want to? Do I not want to? It's, oh, there's all this other kind of stuff. We, get all, we all get a bit nervous, and, and I get that. And I want to remind you that if you are feeling God, put it on your heart to share your testimony, but you're like, I really don't do public speaking. I don't want to stand up at the front of the church. That's okay. You can meet and have a chat with me. We'll film it. We'll put it up on the screen, as you're going to see today. Or maybe you're like, you know what? God is putting it on my heart to share it from the front. Then come on. You can do that as well. But if God is stirring in you to share your testimony, something of what he's done in your life. Do please get in touch. We'd love to hear. I don't know about the rest of you, but I have been massively encouraged by what God has done in the lives of others. Perhaps it's just me? No, Adrian, we all... Okay, cool, amazing. You guys are vocal today. Woo! Maybe singing was just too much. You've, you've worn out the vocal cords already. You can't speak anymore. Uh, with that, we're going to uh, take our attention, focus our attention to the screens as we hear what God has done in Emma's life, and then we'll unpack a bit of scripture. Check this out. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're watching this. Um, I'm joined today by Emma Slater. Hello, Emma. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, so you have been around GBC actually for quite some time, um, but it might not feel like that to everybody necessarily because we've kind of had this pandemic thing in the middle. Um, so why don't we just start by you telling us a little bit about you, um, kind of what you do, what brought you to GBC, and um, yeah, a little bit about you in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Emma. <laughs> nice to see you, me, um, Emma. I'm married to Nick and I've got uh, two children, Isla and Zach. Um, I'm a youth worker for Rom's Mill and uh, we came to GBC um, about nearly three years ago maybe now um, when yeah we just felt um, at the church we were at previously that we um, it was time to move on and we um, started looking around a bit and actually avoided GBC actively because we know you <laughs> and we didn't want to just follow you. <laughs> um, such an encouragement, such an encouragement, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's good. We didn't want to just yeah. go, oh, Adrian goes there, so we'll go there. Absolutely. Um, so 
uh, yeah, but eventually felt kind of more and more drawn to GBC. Um, so came a couple of times while you weren't here to check out the church rather than you. Um, and yeah, we really loved the church and the people in it. So Amazing. We and, and we love having you, um, <laughs> even though you did avoid <coughs> me, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> Don't take that personally. Um, but yeah, so we have been in the middle of this series, um, the Fully Alive series, which has just been an opportunity to hear people's stories, to hear kind of how people came to faith um, and kind of what God's been doing in their lives. Um, and so with that, I guess, you know, what the reason we're here, tell us a little bit about by you, did you always grow up a Christian? Have you always known Jesus? Um, how did you get to know him? What's what's your story? Uh, so I grew up in kind of a Christian home. My mum was a Christian um, and we always went to church. Um, and I became a Christian when I was four when we were praying that um, my mum was pregnant with my brother and we were praying that the baby would come to know Jesus. And I asked if I could too. And it was all very, very sweet and lovely. And um, but I genuinely from that point on, like, I can remember genuinely believing like, yeah. and really kind of gripping onto my faith. Um, and yeah, even having a moment in a church when I was six and sitting, standing at the back of the church and everyone was singing all things bright and beautiful. Um, but the church never really kind of did anything except gather and sing and then go away again. And I can remember thinking when I was about six that surely if God exists, he wants us to be doing more than singing all things bright and beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, my uh, home wife was uh, quite difficult growing up. She, my dad uh, was um, quite abusive to us um, and an alcoholic. Um, so, uh, yeah, the home wasn't particularly great. Um, and I kind of quite often prayed that, you know, God would help us out <laughs> yeah. um, and kind of save us from the situation we're in. And mm. when I was about 12, uh decided that God you know, I definitely believe God existed, but he obviously wasn't a personal God and didn't care about me because he wow. hadn't saved us. Um, so I decided to kind of take my life into my own hands and do my own, try and sort it out myself, um, which uh, and ended very badly. <laughs> what, you want, you want <laughs> would to unpack that for us a little bit, I guess? Um, you know, what, what does it mean to kind of take your life into your own hands? And So uh, when... Growing up, I'd kind of had spoken over my life that, you know, I was, I wasn't clever, I wasn't pretty, I was, you know, ugly and useless and wouldn't amount to anything and, um, like, I couldn't do this, that and the other and, um, and I really believed them. And so I, uh, over time, like, through my teens, um, very much cared about the way that I looked and, like, wouldn't even want to go to school if I didn't think that like, you know, my hair and stuff was perfect or whatever. Um, and I started to use um, food as a way to kind of try and control something in my life because the rest of my life was quite chaotic okay. um, and out of my hands. Um, so I used food to have my own bit of control over my life, um, which 
became um, very unhealthy quite quickly when you kind of see dress sizes and weights and things as targets and yeah. going down. And um, the longer it went on, the more it became almost kind of how low can you go before you like. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and I was also um, self-harming um, to kind of try and relieve some of the mental pain that I was feeling and uh, was um, abusing painkillers really, like using, started using them because I was feeling pain and ended up using more and more and more than yeah. was necessary. And, um, but during this time, you, you still believed in God. Yeah. You just didn't believe he was personal. So yeah, kind of and went to church and, um, yeah, def believed in God, just didn't think he cared about me or anybody cared about me. Wow. Um, and, yeah, kind of sought the wrong attention and things like that, trying to kind of fill the hole, basically. Um, and it all got to a point when... I was 18 that I kind of decided that I didn't, you know, there was no point being around anymore because nobody cared about me, nobody wanted me, I wasn't good at anything. Mm. Um, and I was just a burden on my mum and brother. And I decided to, um, that I wanted to end my life. And uh, just as I kind of went to act on that, I felt kind of very strongly, like almost as if someone was stood just behind me, like a voice kind of said, what are you doing? And wow. I was like, what do you think I'm doing? Um, you know, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. Um, like everyone will be better off without me. And then this voice came back and said, what about your mum and your brother? And I was like, they'd be better off without me. Like, you know, I'm just kind of dragging them down and holding them back. And, uh, and the voice came back again and said, what about me? And uh -huh. I knew at that moment that was God. <laughs> and, um, wow. and just fell on the floor and started crying and felt kind of the peace and love of God really come over me, um, which was unlike anything I'd felt, really. Uh, yeah. um, and... Um, yeah, my mum eventually found me on the floor and <laughs> picked me up. Um, and uh, that was just after my A-levels. And I'd only done A-levels in the first place because it was at the same school and it meant I could just continue staying where I was. I didn't have Coast to think about yeah. anything. Because um, back then I couldn't... Um, like my self-esteem and self-confidence were just like below zero. Like I couldn't look anybody in the eye to talk to them. I couldn't like talk to people on the phone. I like wouldn't want to go anywhere on my own. Like I just was, yeah, kind of a bit of a shell really. And uh, so I hadn't, after my levels, I hadn't even applied for universities because I didn't think I was clever enough to do it and uh, had no plan whatsoever <laughs> afterwards um, and then kind of panicked about what I was going to do because <laughs> I had to do something and um, 
my mum spoke to our church and kind of, they'd never done it before, but kind of convinced them to let me do a gap year with them. Okay. Um, which was kind of the best and worst year of my life because they really dragged me through it, kicking and screaming, um, <laughs> fairly literally. And uh, So worst year in that okay. sense, but, but best year? Best year in that they kind of like, just ask, you know, asking me to book a bus for a trip and then sitting next to me what, for over half an hour while I cried next to the phone because I couldn't pick up the phone because wow. I was scared that the person at the end of the phone would yell at me. And um, like, yeah, kind of they, and there's loads of things looking back throughout the year that they pretty much did it all and just put my name on it. But they really, <laughs> they, it really built my confidence um, in what I could do. And um, like, yeah, just the people that God put around me um, really helped kind of build me back up again. Um, and yeah kind of really healed me that's amazing so grown up knowing and believing hitting rock bottom i guess possibly as, as a way to describe it um and then having an amazing experience where god just really broke through um walk me through what happens then so you do a gap year at at um at the church then what i mean you told us at the beginning you're, you're now a youth worker so so what what does that how does that translate how do you get from from there to here um, so while I was doing the gap year, um, a part of it was um, doing youth work with the church, which like I absolutely loved. Like I fell in love with youth work and young people. Um, and the other part of it was working in the nursery that was attached to the church. Um, and after my gap year, they offered me a job in the nursery. So I thought I was set up like working in the nursery and then volunteering in the youth work. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought I was set. And uh, we, during my gap year, they'd sent me on a just looking kind of few days at a Bible college, um, which I absolutely hated because I had to go on my own, on the tube on my own, on the train on my own, to a place I didn't know, to people I didn't know, and just hated the entire time. And uh, like, kind of once I got back, kind of repressed it and put it away. And um, during the next year of working in the nursery, kind of people kept kind of coming up to me and being like, oh, you know, you went on that just looking course. What did you think? Do you think you might go to Bible college? I was like, no, I'm not clever enough to go to university. Like nobody, like, nobody would want me to do that. I wouldn't be able to do that. And uh, I, I had a friend who was at Bible college that started bringing me back application forms saying, God told me to give you this. I was like, no, wow. he didn't. I would put it in the bin and he just kept bringing them and I was putting them in the bin, shredding them, like wow. everything. And it was like, no, 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 no. And it got to the point, um, the church we were in was had a congregation of about 450. And it got to the point there were people that I didn't even know in the church coming up to me being like, oh, I've really been praying for you lately. Have you ever thought of going to Bible college? And I was wow. like, they don't know me. Like, why would they say that to me? They don't know, yeah. you know, da, 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 da. And it got to the point that I decided to fill out one of the application forms just to shut everybody up. Um, <laughs> to prove it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Right, I'll, I'll apply, <laughs> but I won't get in, so here we go. Yeah, so I was convinced once they'd kind of seen me on paper they wouldn't want me, and that would be the end of that. 
and about three months went past and I kind of thought I'd won and <laughs> got a phone call randomly um, saying, uh, oh, we've seen your application form, would you like to come for an interview? And I was kind of like, you know, once they meet me, once they see me, they won't want me. Um, and uh, yeah, went to the interview um, and afterwards, like before, I think it was before we'd even got home, got a phone call saying, oh, we'd love for you to join us in September. Wow. And I was kind of like, come on. <laughs> and so you didn't prove anybody wrong. I didn't prove anybody wrong. I fell into it, and Amazing. yeah, kind of at that point was like, God, you made me do this, so you've got to get me through it, because um, yeah, I didn't think I was clever enough to do it. So the only way it was going to work was if God did it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we went to Bible college and during the three years, met Nick. And, aww. Aww, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the rest is history. Yeah. So met, met Nick, now husband. <laughs> graduated, presumably? Yeah. And just barely straight by, or? <laughs> Two, one. That's, that's pretty, pretty decent. That. <laughs> pretty decent, that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so it's clear that kind of God's had his hand on you, and, uh, and in some very dramatic ways. Um, We've all experienced, I guess, uh, this weird global pandemic, which has has led us into moments of like, oh my gosh, as well. Um, In the last 18 months, um, what, if anything, have you heard from God, sensed from God, um, perhaps experienced from him, given everything that we're going through, um, and what he's maybe already taught, maybe re-minded, I guess, during this time as well? Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> this, yeah, um, the last year or so has been quite, yeah, quite difficult and challenging. And um, I think, to be honest, I think for large parts of it, almost put faith on hold in a way, almost okay. um, kind of, yeah, not walking away from God, but not kind of properly running after him um but yeah I think definitely God's definitely um looked after us in this Mm. year and um yeah definitely helped us um we especially with um last year I was pregnant uh with Zach and um people weren't able to come to scans and um, appointments and things like that. Um, But Nick actually, um, he was working away at the time and was supposed to be away for my 12-week scan. And uh, he was actually in Dundee. He wasn't meant to be back for the scan. um, And uh, they sent everybody home uh, early because COVID was building up and he actually got back the day before I think my wow. scan so he was able to come to the scan and then we got locked down <laughs> and kind of everything like um kind of um antenatal wise was just absolute minimum and wow. like he couldn't come to any of the scans um he couldn't come to the 20-week scan 
so it was amazing that he was able to come to the 12 week one because he would have missed the other one yeah. um, and actually um, just before Zach was born um, he ended up being late um, but that was <laughs> it was beneficial in that um, kind of I think it was around my due date um, things uh, opened up on the maternity ward a bit which meant that uh, previously, if I'd been induced, Nick wouldn't have been able to be there until active labour. Wow. Um, so, like, right at the very end. Um, but it got changed that he could be there the whole time. Yeah. Um, and they also sent me for a scan the week before he was born because they suddenly worried he was breached. Um, and Nick was able to come to that one as well. Um, so we ended up being induced and Nick was able to be there the whole time, which yeah. was really good because I never got to active labour <laughs> before <laughs> um, before having a caesarean. So um, it was amazing that he was able to be there the whole time yeah. supporting. Um, and then he was able to uh, stay for a little bit afterwards and then visit in like two hour slots. Cool. Um, so there have been a lot of little, that, little mercies throughout. The, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. So before I let you go, I mean, you shared amazingly, uh, I guess, a real powerful testimony of, of understanding your identity in Christ, of, of all that he's done. Um, if there were some, is there a kind of a, a scripture, a verse that you kind of go to that you kind of one of those that maybe from way back then that God really pointed out to you that you've maybe held on to quite powerfully, it's spoken to you throughout? Uh, yeah, so the um, Bible verse I was given when I got baptized um, during my gap year, um, was in Timothy, um, and it's, I can't totally remember it, but it goes along the lines of the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but mm. of power and love and self-control. And, yeah. like, yeah, I think that's just really true that, you know, when God's light comes into situations in your life, like, there is no space for kind of fear and darkness mm. like Amazing. god's kind of love just shines through that's awesome Emma, thank you so much for sharing with us today uh, i'm i'm gonna say that because you said it to me before that you are more than happy to always talk about your testimony and share your testimony so if anybody wants to grab you i'm sure find a time and a place uh, appropriately no don't just jump on her either but uh but thank you so much for sharing with us this morning um or afternoon or evening whenever you're watching and uh yeah I hope and pray that um, that you continue on that amazing path, always knowing um, the spirit that the Lord has given you to, to just shine and that you would know his love and be able to share that with others. Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Real life, real God, real people. Thank you so much to Emma for sharing uh, so openly, so honestly. And, and vulnerably as well. Uh, one, one of the things that I, I want to, Emma and I, I think both wanted to note perhaps was um, that they were very blessed and, and now are, continue to be blessed by a stepdad who joined uh, the picture, um, Kev, who's uh, been around and, um, and been a real blessing to, to both her, her brother and her mom as well. So um, throughout even those situations, God has been present. I wonder what of what you heard from her you might relate to. Perhaps one of the more, I think, challenging things, not just in terms of her experience and coming to faith and, or hearing what God has done in her life as she experienced um, what I might even call 
a moment of identity, of discovering identity. Perhaps you can relate to some of those things. Maybe those things were spoken over your life. Perhaps there's something that she shared towards the end. Actually, during the pandemic, life got tough, got difficult, and so I almost never stopped believing in God, but faith was kind of put on hold a little bit. Maybe that's you. I thank Emma for her boldness in sharing because I think hopefully will give us the courage to be real with one another as well. Because as you know, Emma's here, and so it's not like she said, my faith is on hold. So I like, get out! You're not welcome here anymore! And God doesn't do that either. God's there. And he's reminding us. He's reminding us of the love, the grace, the mercy. He's reminding us that, hey, we might decide to pause some stuff, but guess what? There's so much more that he's got for us. And we're going to dive into scripture. And we're going to dive into that, that, that scripture that Emma so amazingly shared, which I think was poignant for her and I think poignant for us today. Turning to 2 Timothy 1, uh, verses 1 through 14. And I'm going to whistle stop tour, so don't worry. We're not going to be here for the next two hours, though I could very easily be. But we're going to dive in and unpack a bit. And I think God, I hope and pray you've heard from God already as you've heard Emma, but I think as we dive in and tie in some of the things that Emma shared as well, God is saying something really quite powerful to us this morning. So 2 Timothy 1, starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, pause just in case. This is not a biological son. Let's not get confused. He refers to him as a son because he brought him into faith. He's journeyed with him. Timothy has been without, with him out on mission as well. So this is not a physical son, just in case. Don't be confused. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day. And I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see, your, your, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I, I, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing um, of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. Because I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amen. 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love scripture. I love, I just, come on. Paul here is writing this letter to Timothy again, not his real son, someone who he loves dearly because he essentially is like a spiritual father. He brought him in to share Jesus, share the gospel, and he came to faith. He's a, he's a disciple, if you will, of Timothy. And Timothy at the time was actually ministering in Ephesus. So this is, he's, he's hanging out in the, in the church of the Ephesians. Now, Paul, when he's writing this, is facing imminent death, and he really is just being kind of at the, the, the verge of being persecuted left, right, and center. And he's encouraging Timothy to carry on the ministry and faithfully guard the gospel. Now, I think right off the bat, that is an encouragement to us. Now, you might not be being persecuted, I might not be being persecuted, but the message to guard the gospel and to, 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 to carry on the ministry and faithfully guard the gospel is a message for every single one of us who call Jesus our Lord and Savior. Amen? But now the question is, are we faithfully ministering? Are we faithfully guarding the gospel? Or are we doing it on a Sunday or when it suits my schedule? <laughs> because I'll be honest, I fall in that camp often. Perhaps just me. But Paul intros again by reminiscing and reminding Timothy how long he's known, not just Timothy, Timothy but the family. He talks about Timothy's uh, grandmother and mother, and he's right there saying, hey, I've, I've known you, I've got you. But then he dives in, and, 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 and he starts by telling Timothy that God gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. For this reason, I remind you, because of the faith that you have from your mother, from your grandmother, the faith that I believe is in you, he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This, I believe, is like the core of what I think God wants us to hear right now. As we give our lives to Christ, as we decide to follow him, God's Holy Spirit lives in us. We are filled by his spirit. Our bodies are the temple of the living God. Yes? You're going to wake up sooner or later. I promise you, you will. <laughs> and if he is in us, then God and his power is in us. By the Spirit, not because Adrian is, oh, he's loud and he's encouraging and he's youthful and therefore he's got power. No, 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 no. God's Spirit is in us. And that Spirit gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, why are these things so massively important? The, the, the reality is, is that we... We face difficulties. I mean, Paul later on in that same letter to Timothy talks and he goes on to say how people are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. And he's got a list of the rubbish of humanity. Some of it might sound familiar. And he has a list of all the things that you're going to face in life that's going to be rough. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be insulted. You're going to be spat on. People are going to tell you you're ridiculous for believing in Jesus. Anybody relate to any of that? And Paul's saying, hey, it's going to come. You're going to have it. But it doesn't matter. People are going to tell you you're dumb, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're whatever. People are going to tell you that because you believe in Jesus, you are, have absolutely lost it. But it doesn't matter. Because the spirit that is in us is a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. The reality is we're going to face these difficulties at all times. We're going to face issues that are man-made, world-made, us-made. We're going to cause ourselves issues. Anybody else relate to that? I do it all the time. 
All the time, I put my foot in my mouth and I go, oh my. Could have avoided that problem. <laughs> Yet the spirit that we have, the Holy Spirit living in us, is, is a spirit of power. Power to stand against the evils of this world, the evils of the enemy. A spirit of love, a spirit of love, yo. To, to love the world, to love our neighbor, to love our enemy. Oh, Adrian, I can't do it. I can't love those who disagree with me. I just can't do it. I cannot forgive them. They've hurt me too much. Well, guess what? But you, you can by the spirit of God that is in you. By the power of the spirit. By the power of the spirit. Emma had so much rubbish spoken over her that she got to the point where she said, you know what, it's not even worth me walking this earth anymore. Yet the Spirit of God reminded her, revealed to her the worth, the value that she has. And by the power of the Spirit in her, could she say, you know what? <laughs> You're right, God. That spirit of power, of love, that understanding that, that God so loves her, so loves you. This morning, Emma sent me a message on Instagram. Nikki Gumbel uh, insta-shared or tweeted or whichever form, he probably all of them, Nikki Gumbel being from HTB. Um, it was a picture and it says, God took the, the very worst event in history and turned it into the very best. He can take the worst things in your life and use them for good. And she sent it to me going, a bit apt, <laughs> knowing that her testimony was being shared this morning, knowing that it was possibly the worst situation in her life. Oh my goodness, yet God turned it and used it for good. And hopefully beyond just that moment of turning it and using it for good in her own life, but has used it for good in her sharing with us what God has done. We have the spirit of power, power to stand, spirit of love, to love the world, love our neighbors, love our enemies, and the spirit of self-discipline, discipline or self-control as some translations say and that is really point blank to say, actually, we have, by the power of God, that power to, to control what we do. And we, I cannot give you the excuse of, oh, well, I just I felt a bit hungry and a bit pickish, and therefore I just started eating. Oh, I, I was too tired to work out. I, was, I can't give you that excuse because if I give it to you, I'm walking in my own humanity. And I've said before, I'm the king of excuses. I can give you a reason to do, not do something or to do something. I'm great at an excuse. And I'll convince you. I'll have you so convinced. Well, you know what? That's a, that's, a, that's a good reason you'll say to me. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, it's just an excuse. But you bought it as reason. Great. But if I stand, allowing God by his spirit that is in me to convict me for me to stand that spirit of self-discipline, I then go, that's just an excuse. I don't need that second or third plate of food. Actually, no, I need to get up and get physical. I need to get up and move. And don't get me wrong, of course, like we're all going to have actual reasons, maybe perhaps why we can't move. I've busted my knee. I'm not saying like, go, but God is a God of power, a God of love, and a God of self-discipline. So we need to allow him by his spirit to move in us. Let's not box him in. 
And the thing is that sometimes our past tells us that we're, that we're weak, that we're not worthy. Our past tells us that we can't do it. Emma's past was telling her the things that people had spoken over her. My past will tell me, wow, you've always been fat. You've always been unfit. You're just never going to do it. I've had those words. She's had words. You've probably had words spoken over you. And the thing is that oftentimes when we have that past, we'll go like, you know what? I'm so thankful that God brought us out of that. But we still have this sense of shame for our past. But we read that we should not be ashamed of the testimony that we have. Verse 8, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord uh, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of, of his own purpose and grace. We should not be ashamed of what he's done. Like, I can give you a list of things, of rubbish things in my life, that most of you probably don't know. Some of those you don't know because I'm ashamed of. There's probably a list of things in your life that you wouldn't dare tell me or anybody else. Because you're ashamed of them. But the truth is, if God has moved in your life and brought you away from those things, if he's moved you from a place of darkness into a place of light, we should not be ashamed. We have nothing to be ashamed of. If anything, we have everything to celebrate and rejoice. We should be rejoicing from what God has done and taken us from and celebrating it. And the reality is, is that we should be shouting it from the rooftops. But we're shouting from the rooftops not to focus on, oh, look at my rubbish. Judge me for my rubbish. We're talking about, look at what God's done. Look at what he's done in our lives. Look at what he's done in my life, in your life. Don't be ashamed of your story. And the thing is that some of us go, well, I don't have a big story. I don't, I don't have an audible voice. I, I didn't have that. But you have a story. The reality is, is that you're not perfect. You're not Jesus. Sorry to burst your bubble. You've got rubbish in your life that Jesus has saved you from. Simple as. If you are human and you've given your life to Jesus, there is something that he has already done and something else that he will do again or for the first time and there'll be more things to come. So don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. There's so many taboo subjects where we can't talk about Drug addiction, we can't talk about alcohol, we can't talk about addiction to pornography, we can't talk about, why? Because of shame, because of guilt. But actually, if God is pulling you out of that darkness, let's talk about it. Because what if somebody else here is struggling with that? What if somebody else outside of this place is, is in that place of going, I don't know how to get out of it, and God, if you're really there, Emma was crying out and not having the answer she wanted. God, if you're real, I believe in you, but if, come on, if, are you really a God of love? Then take me out of this. What if somebody else is going through your same story? Why are we ashamed of our testimony? Whatever it may be. I used to be a real jerk, Adrian, and now I'm not anymore. Great. You're not a jerk anymore. That's not a small thing. That's big. I used to be real frivolous with money. I used to love spending. Now I don't. Great. That is a real thing to be sharing your testimony about. It's the things that God is doing, big and small. Because when we give our life to Jesus, we're made, we're made new, we're cleansed. Children of God. And then we see as well that there, our, suffering, our suffering is not a cause for shame either. Verse 12, that is why I'm, su I'm suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I believed. I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. 
The amount of people I've heard say, I must be a rubbish Christian. I must be a rubbish person because I'm going through some real heavy rubbish. Beep, 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 beep. The amount of people I've heard say, oh, I must have really done it wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm literally ashamed in the situation. I deserve the rubbish I'm going through right now. They're ashamed of even the persecution or the suffering. We run from it. And it's human instinct too. What have I done wrong, God? What have I done wrong? Why are you making me suffer? Why? But look at Job. That's all i got to say, really. Look at Job. Job didn't do anything wrong. He was a great and faithful servant, one who loved God. And God said he's, he can handle it, and he's with him. And we should not be ashamed of our suffering either, because our suffering is where we're going to see those testimonies bubble up. And our suffering is when we're going to see our, us crying out to God. And, and it might not be next day. It might not be, you know, Amazon Prime delivery. It might be postal delivery. It might even be it got lost in the mail and it's coming at some point. But it, when it arrives, it's testimony of what God has done in our lives. And so we can amazingly share it, almost boast about God. Because boasting about ourselves is bad. But boasting about God, nowhere in Scripture does it say don't boast about Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't. All glory goes to him. Well, that's, that's boasting. I didn't do it, my Jesus did. That's boasting. So let's boast in him. And then we see that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we guard what has been entrusted to us. The reality is, is that as God does stuff in our lives, we need to pray that we hold on to it, that we guard it. If you turn around and say, oh, I don't have a testimony to share, I don't have it. No, no, you do. Maybe you've not been guarding it. Maybe you've let the world diffuse it. You've let the world steal it. You've forgotten about it because of X, Y, Z reason, <clears throat> excuse for whatever thing, right? But you do have a testimony. And your testimony will continue to grow. Your testimony, well, your testimony will continue to expand. And when it does, you've got to guard it. The power of the Holy Spirit, you can't do it in your own strength, 100% not, but with God, you guard what he's done. So that when someone walks up to you and says, this is where I'm at, how do I get through it? You can turn to them and say, you know what? This is what Jesus did in my life. So when you have those theological debates with people that might be running circles around you, and the amount of people that I've, that, that I've heard say, well, I'm just not academic. I just can't do the, the, the debates. But you know what you can do? You can share what Jesus has done in your life. And if you guard that, along with everything that God by his spirit has taught you along with everything that God by his amazing holy word has taught you, then you've got so much to share. So much to share. Are you still with me? One. Awesome. I'll take it. There's one. Really quickly, I'm just going to share a story and then I'm going to come into land. So I've shared before that my right knee was healed. I've shared before that I had a bum, messed up right knee, had surgery, nothing could happen about it. People had prayed, nothing had happened about it. And then one day somebody else prayed and it was miraculously healed. I've not had pain in it ever since then. I can, I can do things I was never able to do, including that of working out, all sorts of stuff. That is not a story that I tell all the time. I mean, some of you might be thinking, I've heard it so many times, that you do nothing but talk about it. But I can honestly promise you, hand on heart, say that that is a story that sometimes I, I almost even forget about. 
Not because I don't believe it happened, not because I'm not still thankful to God, but just because I'm not guarding it. And when I get into these big conversations with other people and we start talking about healing, we start talking about all these other things, it should be the first story I lead with. You want to talk about healing? Let me tell you about healing. My knee was healed. That's where I should start, right? But I don't. That's my testimony. But I don't start there. I, I, I should start with the times I've laid hands on people and seen them healed. But I don't. And the reality is that there are probably more things that I've seen and witnessed and experienced and been a part of that I just can't remember sometimes. I had a conversation with somebody a few weeks ago now, maybe even a couple months ago now, about a trip to Romania. And they reminded me of some of the things that we'd seen and experienced and witnessed and prayed for. And I was like, I, I, yeah, how amazing is God? But I forgot. Not that God was amazing, but I forgot that. Guard what has been entrusted to you. A healing? A, a, a salvation? Your salvation? That's been entrusted to you. Someone coming to faith because you've shared something? That's been entrusted to you. Your journey? That has been entrusted to you. That is something that God has said, hey, let me give this to you and you can hold on to it. And we have to guard it. We have to guard it. Mike, if you want to come up, we'll, we'll end with this. For us to be fully alive in him, we need to allow his spirit to move in us and through us, that spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline. But we also need to hold on to the things that he's done. And so if you're watching this oh, online, if you're sat here listening to this, hopefully watching as well, unless you fell asleep, in which case maybe just happening now. <laughs> if you are here with us, if you are hearing God say, hey, I want you to share. Hey, I want you to hold on to. Hey, I want you to... Then you have the choice to just do nothing. Or you have the choice to let that be part of your testimony. Perhaps today... God said something to you, whispered something to you, shouted something to you <laughs> that you can now hold on to. But to be fully alive, we need to allow his spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline to be within us, to work within us for all the things that he has entrusted us. So what's he saying to you right now? What's he encouraging you in right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God of, of love, of grace, of mercy. We thank you so much, God, that, that you are a God who, in, which, in whom we can build our identity, that you are a God who will cry out to us, who gives us a spirit of power that we could stand boldly and firmly, that, that, that your spirit is one of love, that we could love like no one else has ever loved before. Not because of our strength and because of us, but because of you living in us, that you've given us a spirit of self-control. Lord, I pray that every single one of us right now, present here and watching online now or later, God, that every single one of us would be moved by your spirit, that the things that require us to be more self-controlled, we would right now stand in that power. 
But the next time we are tempted by the world, tempted by the enemy, tempted by whatever it may be that is distracting us from you, that, Lord, we would stand in your spirit of power. Lord, I pray that you would move us to love like we've never, ever been able to love before. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded Lord, I pray that today would be part of our testimony and that we would guard the things that you are doing in our lives, that you have done in our lives, and that that you are yet to do in our lives. That you would put them on the tip of our tongues, that we would share with others, God, that we would see others' lives transformed. God, that we would be living a life, not of timidity, not of, of shyness, but Lord, a life running after you. Forgive us for where we've fallen short, but Lord, call us and move us that we could be more and more like the people you have called us to be, created us to be, equipped us to be through your spirit. We thank you for Jesus' life. We thank you for his death. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you that in him we have life everlasting. But Lord, we do ask for more that you would increase in us, Lord, that we would decrease, that our lives would be changed and transformed. We give you our all, God, not just in song, not just in saying, but Lord, right now we step into saying, Lord, take our lives and use them for your kingdom, for your glory, that we would boast about you. In Jesus' precious, holy, amazing name, we all pray. Amen.